Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm David Hepworth. And I'm Mark Ellen. We met at a gig in Manchester in 1977. And we began a conversation about rock and roll that night, which has been going on ever since. For the last 15 years, that conversation has continued in the Word in Your Ear podcast. It's not a serious conversation, but it does cover the things that matter. The haircuts. The tax. The tours. The trousers. If you share our conviction that rock and roll can be magnificent, and hilarious at one and the same time, then join us wherever you get your podcasts. How does a free case of beer sound? I can think of nothing better than being ambushed by some delicious craft beer. Grab a case for free, courtesy of our pals at Beer52, by going to beer52.com slash spurs and covering the postage cost of just five ninety five. Beer 52 is the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world. And this month is an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beer from across the continent. Try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5% double IPA from Sweden's Duges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth coffee stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia, Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, amongst others. If dark beer is not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. Even if after all that you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. That's www.beer52.com spurs to claim your free case now. That's beer52.com forward slash spurs. Hello, good evening to a very special recording of the Spurs show live from the Albany, Great Portland Street. Yeah. 
Joining me tonight, please welcome my co-host, Mr. Theo Delady. Hello. <laughs> and we're delighted tonight to be joined by a man who's just football through and through. Uh, he couldn't make it last month, and we've tried over the number of years. Delighted to have him joining us tonight. Ex-Tottenham manager, caretaker manager, director of football at Tottenham. Please welcome Mr. David Pleats. David, we're going to start from the very, very beginning. You obviously grew up in Nottingham, yes. uh, supported Forest as a boy. Yes. Do you remember the first Forest game you went to? I do indeed. Christmas Day, believe it or not, but Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Mm -hmm. I was against Leeds United and my father took me. There was, he didn't have a car, there was no buses at Christmas Day. We walked about four miles to the ground. Forest played Leeds United. Leeds United then played in another weren't all white then. They were blue and like um, quarters. Great John Charles played. Forrest won the game. And I was just captured. I was, the game seduced me. How old were you? The, the following you day, I was about eight, oh, 1953, okay. 54. The following day, Forrest went to Leeds again. The following day, and won again. They won two games. John Charles was my hero. Was always, to me, the greatest player that ever was. Later, many years later, he was manager at Hereford when I was manager of Nuneaton, and I sat in the same room as him, my hero. He was manager of Hereford. And I also sat at a dinner with him once as well. Uh, he was a great player, a sportsman, a great centre-half, great centre-forward. And anyway, that was my, that was my first game. Did you game. tell him you, he, that he, was my first he was game. your hero when you saw him? I think I was too, too embarrassed. I was too embarrassed. <laughs> I mean, I saw great players. Yeah. I was lucky. I was in the era when I saw some yeah. great players. And... Uh, but, but he was a wonderful player. Yeah. But I mean, even as, a, as a, a young... Again, a lot of people won't know this. As a youngster, as a player, you, you were dubbed the new Tommy Finney. You played for England schoolboys and you scored against Scotland at Wembley in front of 95,000 fans. That's correct. That is just crazy as a schoolboy. Yes. Well, in those days, of course, the schools from yeah. around the country bought all the pupils. That was their day out, a yeah. big game. I was marked by a band called Bobby Moncur. Yes, Newcastle. I'm proud to say I ran in ragged. <laughs> England won the game 5-3, and a certain George Graham was number 10 for Scotland. Wow. And Barry Fry was inside right yeah. with, with me, and I suppose our best player in terms of retrospectively, who became a great player, was probably Ron Harris, who was the captain of the schoolboy team. And at that time... I was doing okay at school and Forrest were my team. And through an indirect relation, a man called Alex Finn, who wrote some books on Tottenham. He's been yeah, on our show yeah. many, many times. We know okay, him. well, he contacted, because um, there's a family of Flynn's. Ralph anyway, Finn wrote Ralph, the book yeah. the Oh, it was Ralph. Yeah. Yeah. He contacted Bill Nicholson. They, Tottenham came to see me. They wanted me to come to Tottenham. Mm. I felt I had to go to my, my team. So I went to the Forest. I could have gone to Manchester United. Various wow. clubs, like most schoolboy internationals, it's always the same. The, most, the biggest bribe I ever had was, uh, I think, uh, two, two uh, crates of eggs. <laughs> I never... Um, it was a man called Mr Chitty from Chelsea right. who came Typical to the door. Chelsea. He knocked on the door and he said, wow. uh, he's got hens. Inducements even then by I, uh, Chelsea. Uh, Barry Fry, tell you, went to Man United... And his claim to, not claim to fame, notoriety really, apart from other things, was he never got his money. 
Classic Barry Fry. He never got his money. But Barry's a good lad. That is amazing. The other bit of research I found out, because I'm actually at the moment making a documentary about the Maccabee Games, and I've been speaking to the UK football team who are big into winning it. The last time the UK won the Maccabee Games was in 1961, yeah. and you were part of the team and you won a gold medal. Yeah, well, they're, they're, That's extraordinary. Well, believe it or not, there's one or two quite good players in that team. The strangest thing is I'm Jewish. The strangest thing about that was I broke, not broke the mould I did at that time, but the, the players in the dressing room at Forest didn't understand it. It was a headline in the Pete Goes to the Maccabee. And I was a very sensitive person. My father and my mother lived on a housing estate. We, were, we didn't have a lot of money. And um, I, I was a bit sensitive. And I always remember in the dressing room, one or two of the players, how are you going to mac a beer? What do you have to, what do, you have to do to be a Jew? Right. You know, they didn't understand it. <laughs> I see. How, how, why, why can't we play at this? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. So I went to Israel. I enjoyed it. I was a star man again. I was only right. about 16. Wow. Yeah. And we won the gold medal. And that passed quickly, which still, was good. I presume you still got that gold medal somewhere. Yes, of course. Wow. Yes, yes. Amazing. I know that the UK team this year are really taking well, it seriously because it's been so long oh, since I, they won the I, gold. Well, yes, you, you lose a little bit of touch, but yeah. You, I mean, you, you mentioned there you, you could have joined Tottenham. You know, again, obviously, early 60s. You're a huge admirer of the club. You, I mean, you kind of, well, your formative years. My heroes became Tottenham. That's what led me to Tottenham. Because I was at the city ground in 1960-61 season when they came in the 10th game. It may be the 11th, because I have to check sometimes. <laughs> and the great team was Brown, Baker, Henry, Blanche Flower, Norman Mackay, uh, 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 Jones, White, Smith, Allen and Dyson. And they won 4-0. And I remember Baker and Henry playing a 1-2 in their own six-yard box. It was incredible. They won 4-0. John White scored the most magnificent goal. How he, funny, it was marked by Jim Eiley, who came to Tottenham afterwards. And um, he got past Jim Eiley and he chipped this ball over Charlie Thompson. I remember all the names. I can't remember yesterday. But I remember, <laughs> sorry, I've got my glasses there. But Tottenham won 4-0 and I thought, what a team. And of course, within months, I was in the Forest Reserve side that went to Tottenham and I was marked by Mel Hopkins. Welsh International, and I was only 16, wow. and I thought, what a stadium, what I thought Lane as was, and uh, there were people like Ryden, Marchie, Clayton, Saul, um, who dear me, I can remember some, yeah, some of them, I can't remember all of them, but they, they won the combination, football combination as it was then, yeah. they won it. Tottenham were wonderful, wonderful footballing team. To me, and I'll tell you this now, I think they were the best team. Well, you know, Pochettino had a very good team, and Harry had two or three very good years. But I believe Pochettino, as team, was the second best, and maybe my 86, 87 I was about to say, team, we're going to come to your side. Was, was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the rivals for second place, the 86, yeah. 87 team. So what happened? Obviously, you went into coaching. We'll talk about managing. You know, we mentioned I need to loot it. What happened foot-wise? Did you get injured? What happened? Yes, I did get injured. I um, Johnny, uh, I had two managers at uh, Forest. Um, I played about eight, nine first-team games, and um, 
the new manager, it was Johnny Carey that came, Andy Beattie put me in the team, although Andy Beattie, well, I have to be very careful. Before anyone passes away, after someone reminded me the other day, say, sadly passed away or unfortunately passed away, even though you may not have been too keen on that person. <laughs> so, so Johnny Carey came and we didn't work. Um, um, no, he was fine. He, he signed Chris Crow from Blackburn Rovers. He signed a lad called Mike Keir from Newport County. And he signed another outside right, Trevor Hockey from... Um, yes. yeah, where was Trevor it. from? I've forgotten where Trevor came from. He eventually went to Sheffield United. Pi- a bit piratanical type figure. And, uh, of course, all of a sudden I realised, hang on a minute, I'm going down the pecking order here. So um, then he said, Luton have come in for you. My advice is... You know, take the opportunity. Yes. How, old a, were you, I, how old were you now? Um, was, I was about 18, 19. Oh, so I played for young. England. I played at England youth yeah. level. Yeah. My great mentor, because he was not far off a neighbour, was Peter Taylor, Brian Clough's right-hand man. And Peter said, I had asked him for advice, and Peter said straight away, you need to go and play where there's a crowd, where the bonus is down. It's £4 at the time. Where the bonus is down, where it means something to get a result. And so I signed for Luton. I had two good friends there for the England youth team, a lad called John O'Rourke, who was originally at Arsenal, and Ray Whittaker, an outside left. I can remember going on a pitch and putt. I spoke to the manager. You know, you know in those days, I'm, I was thinking, serious manager? You know, every, every sentence was intermingled with a joke. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, are you serious? Anybody wanted me anyway. He wanted me in the team. I signed for Luton. Uh, broke my leg not long oh, afterwards. Oh, I, I, and, and Anyway, the bottom line is my career went steadily the wrong way. And after three years there, anyway, I went to... Um, I enjoyed it at Exeter. Exeter, Shrewsbury, Peterborough. Then then uh, Cloughy rang me one day. He said, my mate, that's Taylor, because they really... Yeah. They yeah. were mates, but, in, acts, but yeah. they were... They were Competitive that. as well, yeah. Yes. Uh, your friend, he used yeah. to call it. You know, that's how they suit... Your friend's been on the phone. <laughs> um, none even want a manager. Yeah. So I found out afterwards that when Peter Taylor moved from Burton Albion to Hartlepool's to help Brian Clough, he used a removal man called Sam Downs. And he probably never paid him. But he probably said, he said to him, I'll repay you one day, Sam. Because right. Sam was the director of Nuneaton. Oh, and the payment was, I'll get you this pleat. He'll, do you. Your, he'll be a good manager for you. And I had a wonderful apprenticeship, two, and, two seasons and a bit at Nuneaton. But you were really young, weren't you, at that stage? Yes, I was. 28? 28. Yeah, absolutely. 28. How old were the players? I mean, sort of I was, I about was, your age. Yeah, I was, yeah. And I, I, I played, and my last game was at Yeovil. And they had a sloping pitch. And it's a joke, really, because I went into traction immediately after that game. My back was was shot, absolutely shot. And, of course, the joke is that I was like that, trying to keep my balance. Yeah. But um, and, and as a player manager, even as a caretaker, I tell you, it's a very difficult job because you, if you've had an inferior performance and you know if you haven't done well and you go into the dressing room at half-time and you've got to be maybe encouraging, critical, whatever, try and be sensible with your players. But if you've done poorly yourself, yeah. it's more, far more difficult. So, and that was it. I started the third season poorly and um, I had two people ring me one incredibly was Clough and Taylor, who said, it was, this is amazing, they said, how are you getting on? I said, I'm struggling at the moment. Peter, I said, if we don't get a few results soon, I said, I, I could be on my way. He said, don't worry, 
Me and Brian could be on our way too. This was at Derby County. Wow. I could not believe it. It, it? Yeah, it was it fantastic. The title, yeah. But they'd had problems with their chairman, Sam Longson, mm. and um, they were up to all sorts, goodness knows. I don't know that. <laughs> it was reputed. But all I know is, all I know is, they did leave. They, well, they're correct. And I left. Harry Haslam at Luton, who was a happy well, go. He was a character as well. He was happy he? go lucky. Harry, Harry was a joker, man. He told so many jokes. After we trained in the morning, we used to go in his office, me and a lad called Danny Bagara and Roy McCrowan. Yes, yes. We used to go in his office uh, in the afternoon. And honestly, he come out at five o'clock because you felt that like you had to be there. And the reason he was there in his office in the old-fashioned days was because he was always worried that the chairman might ring him, where are you, Harry? I'm in the office. So he, he was at his job. Now, then that disappeared. Managers used to go horse racing, golfing. I don't know what they did. But they, they didn't always work, you know, 24-7, like whatever. I mean, the, the funny Harry Haslam-Totten connection... He was a manager at Sheffield United, also interested in Aussie Ardenas and Ricky Veer, and Ooh. also had gone out there. Let me tell you That's the story. Go on. Well, well I, unfortunately, I'm a lucky man. I know from a lot of sides. Right. He was very friendly with... You remember Rattan, who got sent off at Wembley, yes. the yes. Argentinian? Yeah. He was friendly with him, no question. And he did go over there. He offered Aussie and um, Ricky, Ricky to Arsenal. No question. He offered them to Arsenal. For whatever reason, I think it was Terry Neal decided not to take them. They came to it. So Harry Haslam was definitely behind that. The myth about Harry Haslam is that he offered for Maradona and right. couldn't get yes. him. He got a lad called Sabella, Alex Sabella. But Harry was a happy-go-lucky manager. I mean, he'd worked with Bobby Robson at Fulham. Um, he came after Alex Stock, who I thought was a fine manager, mm. Alex Stock. Mm. And then obviously... You know, you you're, you ended up at Luton. Harry Haslam was... You worked under Harry Haslam there, didn't you? Yes. I was a reserve coach. Yeah. And then uh, Roy got an opportunity to go with Jimmy Hill to Detroit Express, which he accepted. He decided to make a new life in America. And then a man called Ken Whitfield and Jimmy Andrews. Also, I got lucky. They had an opportunity to go to Cardiff City. And oh, no, Jimmy Andrews was already there, and he came oh. for Ken Whitfield, the coach. Which Harry said to me, if Ken goes with Jimmy, I'm going to move you up. You'll be reserved. Uh, first, you'll be... Anyway. Assistant manager? Well, no, for, no, coach. Coach, 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 right. coach. Never, no. I mean, your obviously time there was incredible. I mean, obviously now it's good to see they're doing well again. Uh, for a long time, they were, I still call it the first division, first division team. But you took a moulded... Some players there. I mean, you took some players from absolute obscurity, non-league. You, you, you turned some of them into full internationals. What was that kind of... How did you kind of do it all? Because, again, you're still relatively young. Who are your influences? Did you have coaches and managers you looked at and try to study what they did? Where, where did it all come from? It's a strange thing about destiny and following your nose and things like that. You can't really say that you, you take one manager and you follow him like an identikit. You have to kind of be your own man. Where I, You could say I was lucky in many, many ways. I got a call from Ireland about a lad called Mal Donaghy. He played 600 games for Luton and then went to Manchester United for 500,000 after Alex asked me what I thought of him as character. £15,000. I went to Boreham Wood one night. This is to watch Edgware Town. And I saw this boy called Steen, Brian Steen. Now, Brian Steen could have played for Tottenham easily. He was a wonderful player, let me tell you. He could turn people on the edge of the box on a sixpence. 
He was a fantastic player. He, he became a player. And then over a period of time, I went to watch a game at Hitchin where Ricky Hill played in a schoolboy game. At 17, we'd already put Ricky Hill in. And it, and it just kind of followed. But the, the reason I would, did well at Luton was because I was lucky again. Because we were a poor club, the top attendance, as we know, we played Manchester United once we got in the first division. We got you won't believe this. The 80s, the crowds were terrible. Yeah. We played Manchester United and got 12,000 people for Manchester United. And that was a decent crowd in the 80s. Um, but, but to go back there, there was others that came later for different reasons. I saw, you know, people talk about Harry Kane now, and, and I heard people compare him to Shearer and different people. You know the nearest thing to Harry? Mick Harford. And I'll tell you why. Because Mick, I think Kane is a wonderful passer of the ball. He sees a pass and he can play with either foot. I went to watch Birmingham Reserves... And Mick Harford was playing centre-forward for Ron Saunders at, in Birmingham Reserves. It was, a, it was an outcast because him, Tony Coton, Dennis, mm. Gale, they were a crazy gang, crazy gang, crazy gang. So uh, Saunders didn't like him. Not many people like Saunders. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and, 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 and sadly, he's passed away. <laughs> he, he, he had Saunders. Saunders has just done what Bruce done, Birmingham, Villa and West Brom. And, and everyone I know who played for Saunders said he was a bully, yeah. which is incredible. I know he was a sergeant major, but they say he was a bully too, which is a very difficult thing if you're a manager. But anyway, so I, got, so I signed Harford. But the thing that impressed me about Harford was his pacing, his pacing, pacing and placing of passes. He was a super footballer, but he also got in the box to head goals and mm. to be brave and to score goals. And I signed Harford twice, once from Birmingham Reserves, I signed Foster from Aston Villa Reserves. Listen, I was lucky. Sometimes, sometimes you can accumulate a very good team. I took a boy from Nuneaton. Mm. I gave him his debut at Nuneaton when he was 16. And he never looked back. And I promised him that if I ever got a league job, I would get, sign him. And he was, he was splendid. Like called Kirk Stevens. He yeah. was a very good fullback, I can yeah. tell you. And uh, anyway, the bottom line is, I, I think... Um, we, we, it's a, football's a group thing. No one does anything. I always think that uh, thing Althea Gibson, the tennis, black tennis player, won years and years ago, won Wimbledon. Oh, and someone asked her something. Yeah, Arthur Ashe, uh, Althea Gibson. And someone said to Althea Gibson about her success, she says, and I remember saying, so humble, no one achieves anything on their own. There's all sorts of people help you. Mm. I was lucky. Overall, I've had quite good chairmen who've believed in me, so they gave me a chance. Nowadays, if I'd have lost four or five on the trot, maybe at Luton, I'd get the sack, I don't know. Mm. But in then the, the both the first chairman and then the second chairman, not so much. Not well, so let's, much. let's yeah. we, we've got to obviously you got Sorry. Luton up, and then you know, obviously, for those of anyone who's not a Luton fan, there's obviously that iconic game of that particular season where, funny enough, we just played Man City this weekend, Tottenham, where you had to go to Man City uh, and win to stay up. Talk us through, I know you've been asked this a thousand times, but talk us through the build-up, the game, and then Manchester, the celebrations afterwards, coming back down the motorway. We all remember it. We all remember the famous run in the brown suits and everything. Well, well. But, I mean... Just if you give us the background, okay. the build-up to that, that extraordinary... Uh, first match. of all, on the penultimate Saturday, Birmingham, Sunderland, Swansea, and I think it was someone else, four clubs who were in that little area, all won. 
We went chasing a game at home to Everton. We didn't know the other results. We lost 5-1 to Everton. So all of a sudden we were plunged into the bottom three or whatever it was. We had a problem. We had to go to Manchester United on the Monday and Manchester City on the Saturday. And I had to get three points all of a sudden. I had a great captain called Brian Horton, best captain I ever had. And we've had Mabbott and Goff and all top, we've had top people at Tottenham. Horton was very good. I was very close to Horton. Went and did, went and did a thousand games as a manager. And I'm, I'm very proud of Horton because I think I helped him a lot. He did a lot for me. I did a lot for him. He's mm. very good. And we had this discussion about going to Manchester United. I kind of, we went, all came in on the Sunday. We just lost 5 1. How are we going to cope with these two games? And what's worse was on the Tuesday, I promised Graham Taylor, who was behind the scenes, how can I put it? Not an enemy, but we were accused of being syncophantic, which meant that we were always bullshitting each other. <laughs> he was at Watford, presumably. Because he played a long ball right, and he yeah, played Watford, direct right. football. Yeah, and you played all the football. And we played all the football. And, of course, there's that local rivalry as well. Luton local football. rivalry, hooliganism. Yeah. But, we, but in my time there, we played him ten times. Yeah. We won seven, yeah. drew two, lost one. <laughs> right. And that is true. So, but I'd promised Graham months before for a testimonial for a guy called Ross Jenkins yes, really on the Tuesday. Big tall player on the Tuesday. Anyway, Steen had to, we had to give a, a bit of a run out to Steen because he'd had an injury to his foot. Anyway, we went to Manchester. I had a, a discussion with Horton. I remember it. We disagreed. I played two kids at Manchester, one called Gary Parker who became a very yeah. good player, yeah. and one called Ray Daniel. We lost the game, I think it was 3-0. We lost the game. So now it was all or nothing at Man City. But I also went to Watford, and they couldn't believe that I took the team to Watford. Mm. The players thought I was mad. Mm. So I played Mon Saturday, lost five, played Monday at Manchester, lost three. Now I've gone to Watford. They tell me, I can't even remember, we lost 4-0. Right. That didn't matter. <laughs> Graham Taylor, to be fair, was magnanimous because the crowd was shouting, going down, going down, going down. He got on the microphone at half-time and said to all his supporters, no other team would have done what Luton would have done, play this game tonight. Mm. We, you, you know, stop shouting, stop. Anyway, we played the game. On the following day, I took him to a place called Henlow Grange. This would be on the nice. Wednesday. Henlow Grange Health Farm. Nice. We did a little loosener. We had a, a, a yoga woman. We'd never done yoga before. And they come and sat us down and told us about a lake. Imagine a lake with ripples on it and stones throwing in the ripples. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what's this? But we relaxed. The players... Anyway, somehow we got some self-belief to go to Manchester. And the only good thing I think I did before Manchester City was I stopped at least an hour away from Manchester, which is unusual. Normally you'd stop about half an hour at the most away from your away ground. Nowadays, on top of it. So I stayed at a place called Tillington Hall in Stafford. And um, when we left the, the hotel, it was like we weren't on our own. I remember so much about it. There was a song at the time, I think Lionel Richie, called True. Yeah. Or Spandau yeah. Ballet. Spandau Ballet, yeah. Spandau's True 83. Yeah, I'm, I'm going back a long yeah, time. I'm, I'm sorry for... Yeah, there's no right. youngsters in the audience. Yeah. These are real youngsters. The you, Spandau Ballet fans. No. So, so, but as we were driving up to Manchester, we were passed by hundreds of cars with flags out the window, waving, there. And I thought, we're not alone here. We've got a lot of support. Yeah. We got to the ground. It was, it was packed. It was packed at two o'clock. And don't forget, City 
were also at the bottom, weren't they? They oh, were absolutely. They absolutely. needed a result. They needed to draw to stay up. They had as well. to draw. So yeah. it was the, that was the. Any, anyway, the bottom line is someone smiled on us, and with three minutes to go, Antich scored a goal. Yeah. Who became the manager of Real Madrid yeah. and Barcelona yeah. and Atletico Madrid? Yeah. Won the double in 1995 in Atletico Madrid. A wonderful performance. Incredible man. One of the finest, clever players, clever players, yeah. disguised pass, could see things out the corner of his eye. And teacher was a fine player. Um, sadly, passed away with pancreatic cancer about yeah. 18 months ago. Unbelievable. But um, anyway, we won the game 1-0 and we all went crazy. Arrow was like a crazy dervish or whatever they call it. <laughs> a, I lost, whirling, I lo a whirling dervish. I lost, my, I lost my head. I remember Peter Swales afterwards, because the supporters were after Peter Swales. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. And um, he was saying, we'll never recover from this, we'll never recover from this. I said, you must be stupid. Had we lost, we wouldn't have recovered. As it happened, we stayed in the top league for nine seasons, mm. of which I was manager for seven, seven and a half came to Tottenham and um, so it was a, it was just a wonderful era the mm. 80s was a wonderful era for Luton that game was obviously so important because it was our first year in the top flight right, and it mean that meant that we stayed. we we stayed and then after that I got players like Harford and Walsh Paul Walsh was a, well you know Paul Walsh at Tottenham and and other good players and um, did you receive any congratulations from Eric Morecambe I know Eric very well yeah Eric Morgan was a lovely man. Yes. The only thing that people don't understand about Eric, and it's, his, his wife Joan does a lot of charity work, and he came to. He used to come and watch the reserves, you see. Right. Because he didn't travel away with the first team on a Saturday. He was a director. Yeah. Um, and he did a, he did all the publicity stuff with his glasses, yeah. and he made a presentation at half time. But he watched the reserves play when I was a reserve coach. Right. He died, I think, in eighty four. Yeah. I think yeah. it's something like that. But, but I was in. I was. I had the reserve side. So I always remember Eric going up after the game and sitting with him. In those days, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, uh, the reserve crowds were better, obviously, the, the, and, and they played Saturday afternoon when the first team was away. And I uh, always remember Eric saying, and, and I've realised afterwards, I don't know if he was taking the piss or having a joke, <laughs> he said to me, he says, you know, I've been watching your team, why don't you put boards up to tell them what to do? <laughs> And, and I don't know if it was before his time with the American football, but he really believed. I said, Eric, these players, these players don't understand yes and no. How can they, how can they understand uh, a number on a board, what to do? I always remember, because he liked to centre forward. We bought a player called Adrian Olston from Australia, believe it or not. He was a Lancashire boy who'd emigrated, and he played well in the World Cup in 19-whatever it was. And Harry Haslam sent the secretary round the world to sign him. He came, he evidently, according to later on, evidently, he wrote a book or something. He didn't enjoy it at Luton. Anyway, but he, uh, Eric liked him. He thought he was a good player. But I like Eric Morgan was a nice man. And the big myth about Eric was... He didn't overly, and I can say this, didn't overly get on with Ernie Wise, you know. Right. Really? They were very wonderful together. Yeah. Yes. They were a purely business relationship. Yeah. We said to Eric many times, bring Ernie. Ernie lived at Peterborough Way. Yeah. Because Eric lived at Moore, at Harpenden. Bring him to a game. Yeah. Not interested. Yeah. He won't come to a game. They didn't no. socialise. No. His wife was lovely. Did a lot of charity work. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he sadly passed away, like all these comedians. Yeah. They, yeah. 
They do it all their lives, they don't know anything else, and then they go bang. Yeah. Well, look, let's, let's uh, for those of you at home, let's go to a very short break. And Sorry. when we look, when we, well, we need to apologise at all. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your time at Tottenham. Back in one minute. And we're back for the break. Uh, for those of you at home, don't forget, you can come to all these monthly events. Go to season.spurshow.net. Next month, we've got with us Mr. Alfie Conn. You remember Alfie from the mid-70s? Uh, tell his story. One of the story. only players to play Celtic and Rangers. Tell us your Alfie story. Alfie Conn, I was at Tottenham. He was in, I was at Luton. He was in Tottenham Reserves. And I said to Bill Nicholson one day, tell me about Alfie Conn. There was two players in their reserves, Noel Brotherston yeah. and Alfie Conn. He says, them two players, because Bill was great. I'll give you a couple of things about Bill. <laughs> Bill was great. Bill said, he says, you can sign them you, if you're interested, but you'd have to give them a ball each. Billy <laughs> 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 well, spoke in those times. Like, in other words, they were dribblers. They, they didn't play the early oh, pass. That is lovely. So that's, that, <laughs> that's in March. And then in May, uh, we've got our end season Spurs show, 100 Club. With Aussie, we already mentioned Aussie Ardidas and Ricky Veer, and also we're doing an event at the JW3 Community Centre, Finchley Road, on May the 11th, looking back 50 years the UEFA Cup win with Martin Chiffers, Pat Jennings, Alan Mullery, and Steve Perriman. Right, now your time at Tottenham. Now, <clears throat> what happened that you got the approach? We know that your Luton chair at the time not happy with you making that decision to go. Um, what was your memory of, of the approach and, and how it transpired? Uh, well, uh, scholar through a journalist called Harry Harris, who's still He's alive. been on the show, old as friend well. of ours, yeah. who's still alive. Yeah. Yes, um, he um, he um, he rang me and said, "If you want the Spurs job, you've got it." <laughs> Irvin's asked me to ring you. Peter Shreve's had the job. If I remember right, we faded a little bit in the last eight games, and Peter Peter held on quite well. Yeah, I got another call a few weeks later. Uh, from Harry Harris, <laughs> we've decided they've decided to keep Peter. Fine, I stayed at Luton. Oh, this is the first time because yeah. um, when time. Keith went, we I think we finished third under Peter first season. Yeah. Did well, yeah. then yeah. we finished tenth. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. nearly then, won the Then league, after course. after Peter, once again I got the phone call, and this time it it happened. Mm. There's, no, there's no agency this time, is it? It's not like your agent. No, no, it's just never had a phone call at home. Listen, listen, you have plenty yeah. of people who've got agent. I never had an agent. Yeah. I, I felt yeah. I didn't need one. Uh, nowadays, everyone's got one. Um, we hate it. Mm. I'll tell you a little story about an agent. Uh, up, right up to date, we've got a young centre forward we bought from Notts County, 150,000, called Etete. Yeah, he's, he's nice boy. the weekend. He's nice called, boy. Yeah. He's on loan. And he went to yeah. Northampton, and we got him alone at Northampton. I'm very close with Graham Carr, who's a kind of consultant at Northampton. And I persuaded Graham, take him, Graham, it'd be all right, it'd be good enough. The chairman was very happy because he was doing quite well. I went to watch him a couple of times, as other people did. And it came to the window. And so he's got an agent now called Matt Murray. And I bumped into him at Milton Keynes the other week. I went to watch Parrot play at Milton Keynes. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the lift with this great six-foot-five guy. I thought, that's Matt Murray. I've seen you when I wasn't very well with my stick. I was watching the Sky television Saturday afternoons for about three weeks. Mm -hmm. And I see this Matt Murray. But he's an agent as well. So I said, why did you take a Tetty to Cheltenham? And funnily enough, they're playing tonight at Ipswich. Why did you take it? But he's not fit. He's not playing tonight. Uh, why did you take a Tetty to Cheltenham? He said, oh, it's a good move for him. I've had two championship clubs on already. 
I said if he'd have stayed at Northampton, he might have scored 15 goals this season. He'd already got about seven. And they're, and they're going for promotion. I said, and, and that's where he should be at the moment. Because we all thought this at Tottenham. We had a meeting. We all thought this. But the agent was stronger than and persuaded the boy. Um, so the agent's idea is the higher a grade he plays quicker, the more chance I've got of making moving money. him on. Making yeah. money. Yeah. Really pissed us off, I'm yeah. sorry to say. Yeah. Anyway, the boy's a nice boy. I'm not worried about the boy. And funnily enough, I spoke to... I was at Ipswich yesterday watching an under-23 game, and today we played Ipswich under-17s at, uh, at uh, the training ground. And, and uh, I think, between you and I, Kieran McKenna will keep an eye on him maybe next season. Maybe we might get him in the championship. Right. But he, in my opinion, he's not ready yet. Right. See, it doesn't always work that you... Mm. He's not ready yet. Mm. He's, he's still learning, but he's, he's doing well. Paul Bracewell's worked very well with him. He's doing well. He's so, doing when, well. so when you went to Tottenham... So you, you, know, you went... Then obviously you had to tell, you'd been there a long time. You had to turn around to, was it David Evans, the chairman? David Evans was, my first chairman was very good, Dennis Mortimer. Yeah. was very good. I have to tell you a lovely story. After games, we won most of our games. So we're in the boardroom and the visitors, you're very gracious, you're very humble. Congratulations, now have a good journey home and all that shit. We just beat them 4-5-0. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then... He used to walk round. He used to walk round the boardroom. He, got, he used to get pissed, unfortunately. <laughs> he used to walk round the boardroom playing an imaginary trombone. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable, Chairman. But it was good to me. And he thought a lot of me. And then David Evans came in with his big ideas and. Was, um, he, a, was he, he a Tory MP? He wasn't. He was an MP. He was a Tory he? MP for Welling and Hatfield. What you might call him on the far right of the party. Exactly. It was Mrs. <laughs> it was Mrs. Thatcher's uh, champagne yeah. socialist, whatever yeah. you want to call him. He, he, I'm sorry to say, sadly passed away. Yeah. Not, <laughs> he he wanted. He honestly, he was not a good man. And in the end, they sold the ground for a peppercorn mm. rent to the council. They all took their money, plenty. With interest. Mm. That was the downfall of Luton Town, which have now recovered from. Mm. That was the downfall. Yeah. It was in, to, in, for, in for himself. Yeah. 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 So then you obviously come to Tottenham, Irving Scholar, who, you know, like everyone here, a massive Tottenham fan. Um, too much. Too much. Yeah. Well, you, we see, well, yeah, he bankrupts the club, but too much. What was he like? Because uh, obviously, I know we never actually said this, but Keith Bergson went, there used to be a football club here. Well, how did you find Irving Scholar working under him firstly before we go into. Well, your time Irving was very. Um, um, he was a very confident man. Right. He, he, he believed that, you know, some directors are such that they think when they get that team sheet at two o'clock in that boardroom, they look at the team sheet. And why is he playing? Right. Mm. You know, the managers pick the team. That's what he's there for. I'm surprised he's in the team today. I'll, I'll tell you one story about Irving. And I, I think it sums him up. I went to sign a little jockey of a player from Exeter City called Mark Robson, £45,000. I told Irving that on Monday morning, the chairman of Exeter and the manager, Colin Appleton, was coming and we were going to talk, we were going to sign the boy. So we were having discussions in the room upstairs at White Hart Lane and I remember Mark saying, do the club do company cars? I said, I can assure you, Mark, there'll be no company car because we're having massive problems with the cars. We had a man called Peter Day there, Peter secretary. Day, Pete, yeah. And Peter Day spent a lot of time looking at Glasser's Guide 
bloody for cars, mm. uh, you know, and he was a club secretary. It was a nightmare. <laughs> I can remember when Glenn left, I think Ozzy wanted his car, or, or other way around, Ozzy <laughs> wanted his car, one had a Jaguar, they had all sorts of different cars. It was a nightmare, mm. and I inherited that nightmare. So I said to young Robson, there's no car. He said, well, what about a little bit extra money? Mm. So I said, look, I've got a budget, and I can't, I've got to work to that budget. I'm sorry I can't pay you more money. All of a sudden, Irving breathes us in with his carrier bag with his morning papers. He always brought the morning papers to see if he was in, in, in them. <laughs> and and, and he, come, he comes into the room, he says, what, ha, what have we here? I said, I told you, Irving. Young Mark Robson, this is the chairman. Well, what's the problem? This is him. What's the problem? I said he wants another £10 a week or whatever it was. <laughs> Pay it. That's what he said to me in front of the chairman of a, a thingy, the manager and the player. To me, it? it was humiliating. Yeah, humiliating. He's undermined. Under so you've said one thing off. and now he's gone, oh, pay it. I'm trying to look yeah, after the bothering? club trump's yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. I didn't you, start serving. So you, I mean, when you came, you brought Mitchell Thomas with you, uh, yeah. Tottenham, which again caused issues with your former club. They weren't happy that you went back. Yeah, they think we Mitchell. deflated. We went to a tribunal and they believed that we deflated the price because we paid him some under-the-counter money. We didn't, but David Evans, David Evans was after me. Mm. He came to my house with his wife with champagne and flowers. I've got to be careful here. With champagne and flowers because he couldn't believe that I was going to go to Tottenham. I'd already told him, I've finally made my decision. I can't wait any longer. I've done eight and a half years at Luton. I'm ready, I'm ready to go. And, it, and it's Tottenham Hotspur. It's a club where I feel an affinity. He, he left my house. And I'll tell you his words. It's a very delicate thing, this. He said, you will pay for this. Uh, I, get, I swear to you, Mike, I don't want to talk about it. He said something. He said you will pay for this. And in subsequent, 18 months later, when a, a scandal in the paper, mm-hmm. yeah. and, I ha- and I felt that I couldn't cope with the, the publicity, and I just couldn't cope with it. Never charged, never arrested, never a problem, except people told some stories. There was crooked people involved. And I believe it was all to do with Mr. Evans. Really? Yeah, yes. Nothing to do with Tottenham. Revenge. Nothing to do with Evans. That's very I'm interesting. Sorry. I'm sorry you to know, say. We're obviously, that's very interesting that's you finished. mentioned that, that you genuinely think... And I left. You know, the, and I left because it was the right thing to do. I couldn't cope with it. I, I mean, yeah. I, I just couldn't cope with it. It was too much. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's too much for anyone. I mean, it was on the, it's the national tab, front page of national tabloids yeah, and all much. that. That's a different I mean, again, topic. you know, anyway. we're, we're, he's passed away. Did you say he's passed away? He's passed away. Okay. His wife's passed do you, away. I mean, again, I'm surmising another thing about this. Do you think something to do with being a Tory MP, police, the son, you think there was some kind of... No, I did another terrible thing. I did one, one bad thing and I shouldn't have done it. It was stupid of me. And you can always check this if you've got the programme. We played Luton in a game at Tottenham. Mm. And uh, I can't remember which game it was, but you can check. So John um, Fennelly, there's a programme notes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, wrote, well, I, I was proud in a way. All my life, from Nuneaton onwards, I wrote my own programme notes. Mm. I wrote every word. Every time it went through, no one ever said. It was always optimistic. It was always honest. It was to my captive audience, the people that came. I thought the programme was so important. Not the bland notes that you get now, you'll get... Antonio's notes whenever the next game is you know someone in the press office has written it it's welcome to the visitors hope you have a you know and all that I wrote my own notes but there was lots of things going on when we we were playing Luton and before the game he was saying nasty things Mm. Pleat took Sheridan the physio he took Thomas you know he's not doing so well so whatever so I wrote in the programme notes 
um, a line which included, I put the comma in the wrong place, hooligans, comma, hooligan, hooligans, it should have been, anyway, it came out as hooligan chairman. <laughs> Fennelly, Fennelly, it should have been hooligan, yeah. comma, chairman, and it went on. Oh, yeah. Wow. Fennelly saw, saw it, he spotted right. it before right. the programme went out, right. and he came to see me. I said, John, leave it, leave it. Yeah. But of course, now there's forty thousand reprinted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, leave. But the, the, the press uh, picked it up as well. But do you think and that's Evan, what provoked Evan's picked it? it up? It provoked him more. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But let's talk about. It was, I mean, my, it was my fault. It that, was that whole thing. Sometimes was, you get carried away. From a fan's point of view, that was a, a strange time because that story suddenly blows up. Suddenly you've gone. And we got someone else. But let's talk about before that, because as you said earlier, quite rightly, with, with absolutely full justification, the team that you built in that short time was until Harry's team, and, uh, and, and no, I think it's pro probably better than Harry's team, until Pochettino came along, that was the best team we'd seen in, in, in that period of decades. Mm. And one of the, there's so many things to ask you about it, but one of the things about it that I think is, one up front. We'd never heard of such a thing. Four, five, one. Yeah. We'd never heard. Well, I mean, of, how we, did you come we, out? We, with we, we get to, to, so you had a nucleus of a good team. Then the first thing you did, I believe, Richard Goff came in, who was tremendous. Now, Gary Mappet's been on the show many times. He's told us in hindsight, and he's still friendly with Richard, Richard in hindsight regrets leaving and now realising he should have stayed on at the club. How did you get Richard Goff? And you know, we have we've been doing this show 15 years. I was so you talk about greatest centre back. He was only there one season. He was a, a Rolls Royce of a player. He was, and you know, I've compared him a little bit. Maybe I hope Romero does yeah, very well. I was just well. going to say Romero, the new Goff. Well, but but, but, but uh, you see, everyone's. Let, let me tell you how Goff came to Tottenham. Goff was 750,000 pounds from. Scotland. A lot of money. From a man called Jim McLean, who was a really hard manager, who had some wonderful players. Yeah. Malpass. Sturrock. Um, Sturrock. Well done. Um, uh, uh, oh, dear. Yeah. Dunton United. Uh, Nary. Nary. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, Goff. Yeah. And he, they bought, he got him at a young age and gave him long contracts. Yeah. But the players, he stopped them moving. And they, couldn't move, they wouldn't move to another Scottish club. Yeah. But obviously, Rangers and Celtic would have had any one of them. Yeah. So, scholar's time. So, Goff was a young one. And Butcher, and Butcher will tell you, I mean, seven, same price, Bobby Ferguson was the manager of Ipswich. He always used to call me Pete. I used to say to Bobby Ferguson, <laughs> my name is David Pleat. Call me Pleat or David, but I'm not Pete. That was Bobby Ferguson. Still remembers. <laughs> but, but, but I was, so, so Bobby Ferguson, that was Butcher's 750. Scholar wanted Goff. Yes, it's, uh, sorry. He, wanted, he wanted Butcher. Uh, no, wait a minute. No, no. He wanted Goff. Right. We had the choice of the two. Oh, I see. He wanted the younger man because he said, ah, David, so he's resaleable. That's, that's classic top. He's Nothing's changed. I've said, I've said, and I firmly believe, and Richard knows it, I'm very close to Richard and, and Butcher. If I would assign Butcher, I know this sounds crazy, we finished third and we threw the last two games because we were in the cup final. Didn't throw them, but I played weak yeah. teams. Uh, if I would have signed Butcher, I think I would have had a little bit more chance of maybe winning the league. Mm. And I'll tell you why. I think Goff was a great athlete, a fine centre-half, wonderfully fit. As a centre-half, 
He was a very good centre-half, but he was a bit... Who, was that? who else can I say? Kabul was a bit like him, I think. He used to chase the ball a little bit. Right. And I'm looking at Romero now and hoping that he doesn't go wandering. You, you, stay. you stay there. Don't yeah. go wandering too much. Because be, yeah. you're a centre-back. Yeah. And Butcher was England captain. He was a strong man. Yeah. But mm. he was already... Uh, I think twi- oh, he's getting, well, he's yeah. he went to Scotland. And, I, and, of course, and then Goff... Avenge, so after 50 months, Goff says, if I don't go back to Scotland, I'm getting a divorce. He said, yeah, my wife won't put it any longer. Yeah, that's what, what the it was a true story. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. of course, I should have said to him, I'm sorry, you've signed a contract, you better get your wife down here. Yeah. Unfortunately, all my life, I've been too conciliatory. Mm-hmm. I think it's been a weakness. It has been a weakness. And um, David Murray came on, the chairman of Glasgow Rangers, and I made a big mistake, a big mistake. He said, what would you take for Goff? I said, we're not going to sell him, we're not going to sell him. I spoke to Irving. Anyway, I said to David Murray in conversation, it would take at least twice that. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said it. Sugar told me always to say, when someone comes in for your player, if we're discussing a player to sign, call it, tell them lobster. <laughs> fucking lobster. <laughs> said, you said, can swear we all do with Tottenham I said, fans. lobster. He said, yes, price of the day. In other uh, words... <laughs> Price of the day. Yeah. And, and Sugar was... That was right. But I'd already said to Murray, it'd take twice that to take him. Yeah. Goff wanted to go. Yeah. After the cup final, he went straight back to South Africa. He struggled in that cup final in extra time. Mm. He couldn't run. Mabbott couldn't run because of his yeah. tingling in his foot from his diabetes. Yeah. The two centre-backs in the cup final in the extra time were, were shot. They were shot. Mm. We were finished. And uh, so Goff... So Murray comes on and he does exactly what I said... I'll give you double then, yeah, one yeah, and a half yeah. million. Yeah. Said to Scarlett, Scarlett, oh, what a deal. If you've had him for 12 months, we had no fate accompli. Mm. I was very sad because, and Butcher rang me from Heathrow Airport and said, what's happening? I said, Richard, I'm, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, uh, I mean, sorry, Butch, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. I wanted Butcher. Mm. I'll tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard was the second one. I wanted yeah. Butcher. And Butcher said, I can't wait any longer. You've kept me going for three or four weeks. I said, because Irving wasn't making contact with Ipswich. He was playing games. He was making no contact with... I don't know if it was Sheepshanks who was in charge at the time. Mm. It may not have been Sheepshanks. But he was making no contact. Butcher was hearing nothing. I said, Butch, hang on, hang on. He said, I can't wait any longer. Sooness wants me. Right. Um, and he, he, he was at Heathrow. The, the other player that we linked late. with, if you look, Irving Scholar's book with Mihir Bowes, is also on the show, but it's... David Rowcastle was someone we were linked with. Do you remember that, Rowcastle? No, no, not at all. Fair enough. Uh, no. <laughs> right, let's... Uh, Move on. What's the title? You know what? We're going to do... Um, we're going we're gonna to continue, obviously, but I think for now, uh, we'll be back uh, with a part two very soon. Until then, come on, you Spurs. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.